are hosting another Makers of Minnesota dinner at the Lexington in St. Paul. Not only will you be front and center with some of the best Minnesota makers in the Twin Cities, but you will be treated to a three-course dinner compliments of Chef Nick from the Lexington, who will be using the featured maker's ingredients in all the courses he's making for this special event. Our October dinner is Tuesday, October 25th, and our featured makers are so fun, including Milk and Honey Ciders, who's making beautiful ciders at their orchard in St. Joseph, Three Bear Oats, who specialize in grain bowls full of delicious goodness. Also on deck is Taking Stock Foods. They've got these organic bone broths that taste amazing and are so good for you, as well as Olive Oil on Tap, who has formulations of specialty oils and vinegars that are out of this world. And speaking of out of this world is Mrs. Kelly's Tea. Mindy Kelly is truly a savant at blending the most beautiful, flavorful, aromatic teas, and she's been doing it for years in Northeast Minneapolis. I can't wait for you to meet her. I'm so excited to see how Chef Nick will use all these ingredients in this multi-course menu. We'll have a limited number of tickets for this special dinner, and when they're gone, they're gone. So go to thelexmn.com and sign up via Eventbrite for the Makers of Minnesota dinner. Get your tickets now at thelexmn.com and watch for details on our November 29th dinner, where Chef Nick will be cooking the book, the True North Cabin Cookbook, just in time for the holidays. So go to thelexmn.com to get tickets and sign up for my free newsletter so you're always in the know about any events I'm excited about or hosting at stephaniesdish.com. Good morning. This is Stephanie Hansen. I am here with the Makers of Minnesota podcast where we talk to cool people doing cool things. And I am here with Adam Tice this morning from Milk and Honey Ciders in St. Joseph, Minnesota. And I have been a fan of your ciders, Adam, since Melissa Surdick at Surdick's walked me over to your bottles. And she said, have you tried these ciders? You really need to. They're amazing. And she handed me Fauna. Oh, cool. And said, this is the one you need to try. Yeah. And it's just, it's so great. But then I also love that you guys do the, what my niece calls the slap bags (laughs) cider. (laughs) Have you ever heard them call that? Yeah. I haven't slapped a bag myself, but. So this is a, a, a great packaging mechanism. It's sort of like you can have a cold giant bag of cider in your refrigerator all the time. It's great for the lake or to pop in your cooler. I'm a big cider fan. So I thought it's pretty innovative packaging. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's picnic cider. Yeah. I like it. It's great. So you guys have, uh, give me sort of your origin story and then I'm going to ask some specific questions about your growth. Okay. Well, you know, it's, I think, I think, uh, we were just looking for something interesting and we all wanted, it was funny when it started, we were just making cider in what looked a lot like a garage, although it never had a car in it. It was, it was built just to make cider in with the intent that it become a garage. But we, I think really the plan was to do something, create a rural experience, you know, this countryside experience. And right away we were just making cider back in the woods and it took a few years and then we ended up with a place uh, that's near St. Joe, kind of between St. John's and St. Ben's. And that really is the countryside experience where you drive in, there's an orchard along the driveway coming in and 
nice views of the countryside. And how did you, like, were you farm people originally, or what was it about that countryside experience and cider in particular that appealed to you? Well, I mean, those are, I would say they're two separate things, but how they come together, the first would be Peter, Aaron, and myself. We grew up in this area, and we just liked wandering around in the hills and the fields and just thought it was special, that, you know, we thought it was a special area to explore and hang out. And um, and then the other part of, so we always wanted to, I think, do something out in that area, you know, just in yeah. a natural setting kind of, right? But I would say the other, um, why cider? It That question is probably different if you ask each of us, but for me, I was in the brewing industry for a number of years. And, but it seemed like back when we started, we'd had really good cider, but it didn't seem like anybody was making what we envisioned as really good cider around here. And this is what I'm saying. This, this is back in like 2010 yeah. Yeah. Uh, time frame. And of course, now there's a lot of cool cider in Minnesota. It just, but it, there wasn't, it wasn't there in 2010. So we just thought, man, that's, that's, these things go together. And really it does because you have you have the whole process. It's like you, you go out the front door and there's the trees <clears throat> and you don't have to have anything brought in except those, the fruit from right out there. And you can have it all happen right in one spot. And like beer, I guess, if you think about that, I feel like you guys are so overtime beer brewing got kind of sexy and then it got kind of crazy and then it got a little fruity and hazy and IPAs mm -hmm. and hoppy and all the, the things I feel like you guys are kind of, um, and maybe it's because you grow primarily heirloom apples, but you guys are like the purists. I feel like in the cider business, <laughs> yeah. like you really yeah. stick with a, a dry cider. You're not like all crazy and adding pineapple and no, we, we do stuff. with one thing. You we, have one. We're purists to a fault, though. It gets in the way of, uh, you know, creativity and freedom sometimes when you're such a purist. But we we have generally one at a time, uh, one cider with extraneous ingredients. But we still, even that, it's real ingredients. Like if we're going to make a blood orange cider, we juice and zest blood oranges by hand. Right. Um, so we still try to have it be the real deal. Do you, you're still in a bottle. Do you, why is, are you in a bottle versus a lot of ciders now are available in cans? Well, one, that's just the, <laughs> we just chose bottles back when we first started bottling. It was kind of probably at the same time, you know, when you're, if you go back to say the mid teens, like 2014, 2015, that's when cans were really switching over. Like you forget that it wasn't always cans. Right. It right? was always bottles. And, um, but for us, it was when we first started the really cool cider that we kind of, that we were inspired by was all coming in. And it still is a lot of it coming in seven fifty mil bottles. And so for us, it was even a big leap to say, man, maybe we ought to switch and not put this in seven fifty mils, but have it in, you know, single serving package. Right. And so we switched to a smaller bottle that and if you know, you know what our bottle looks like, it does just look like a shrunk down kind of 
champagne bottle or something. It's got it's it's not your yep. standard long neck. It's got sloped shoulders on it. Can you describe your varieties of cider to the listeners that maybe aren't familiar with you? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the the variety that most, if people are familiar with this, a lot of people probably have access to heirloom. And it's funny because heirloom, when we started, we we probably had grand designs to make something like Fauna, but we couldn't, we didn't have access to the bittersweet apples yet. But we were able to find all these cool old heirloom varieties. Um, like Arkansas Black and Wine Sap and Calville Blanc um, and some different russet varieties. And so what we, the first cider we made just by default of what we were able to find was this cool blend of old heirloom apples. And it ended up being uh, how I would describe it as a very approachable, but yet still a good entry point into real cider. Like when you go further into traditional English ciders, let's say, they can get pretty funky and maybe challenging for people, some of the flavors. But heirloom is still this very fruity, pleasant, but has a great range and depth of flavor um, to the point where if you're new to it or if you're looking for a, you know, a cider with more, heirloom is still that. Um, but it's, I would say it's a really friendly entry point into real traditional cider, real cider fruit. We are um, having you as the guest on our um, dinner that we're having, the Makers of Minnesota dinner on October 25th at the Lexington. And part of the reason why I picked you guys as participants with Three Bear Oats, with Mrs. Kelly's Teas, um, with, um, I'm trying to go through the whole list, Three Bear Oats, Mrs. Kelly's Tea, Taking Stock Foods, is you guys have a really um, nice pairing quality with lots of different types of food. Yeah. So when you think about cider and pairing, is there like any rules, like, you know, how there kind of is for wine? Uh, You know, I don't know the rules, but there's things that I think are just for me, easy, easy pathways with cider. The things that are great is um, because cider, our cider, I should say not all ciders this way, but it's just very dry. And just the way, uh, for the most part, American apple varieties are, we try with stuff like fauna and our estate cider to push more towards tannic ciders. But even then, it's still inherently very acidic, right? Just because the the pH of apples is lower than some other things. Um, So, but that's really good for cutting through fat, right? So I think the like two easy pathways. And one is, uh, I think about when I was young, (laughs) My parents had this little, uh, I think my grandma probably gave it to him, this thing that said something like a piece of uh, apple pie um, without cheese is like a a kiss without a squeeze or something. And so this thing of like apples and cheese, right? And that's that's an easy pathway. Uh, They do go really well together. All sorts of cider and all sorts of cheese, just they work. work. And it's probably because of that fat and um, the ability to cut through it. And then the other one is I always say, I always think it's being, I, you know, worked in the brewing industry for a while. I don't feel bad saying this, um, but I think ciders actually, you always think beer and sausage, right? But cider and sausage or cider and pork is better. I would agree. <laughs> it, like it, whatever type of pork, whether it's a pork chop and cider or some sausages and cider, they go really well together. And again, it's just that 
fat content and then the cider just cutting right through it. I love it. Well, I'm anxious to have the opportunity to visit with you at the Lex and thanks for being a part of the dinner. I'll put a link up for people to get tickets and we'll be anxious to learn more about your ciders. We'll see you in October, Adam. Okay, great. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. 